0: From the 5th Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, welcome, welcome to Coach Unplugged. So excited you decided to join us today. Um, Before we jump in and um, talk about uh, the topic today... I'll get it out. Um, I'm not, I'm leaving that in. Uh, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Des, the number one stream machine, machine on the market bar none. Uh, they are awesome. They rock, uh, coach unplugged. they give you $350 off. Also go over and check out TeachHoops.com for coaches who want to get better. We have a, a special quote unquote special going on right now where we're giving quarterly memberships. We're, we're super excited about that. People seem excited about it. Um, and then that maybe maybe come in and join for three months and take a couple of months off. I personally would never leave ttroops.com, but you have that option, and uh, it's great. So go over and check it out, ttroops.com. For coaches who want to get better, let's head off to the podcast. All right, welcome to Coach Unplugged on a sunny day in Wisconsin, which is crazy because, you know, and there's no snow on the ground, so that's April and there's no snow. So I'm always happy when there's no snow on the ground. Coach is, for, coach is from Texas, so he, he's laughing at me like he doesn't know when the snow is higher than my head, then, you know, it's been a, a tough winter. Um, so, Coach coach Van Hook, I want you to kind of introduce yourself, kind of tell your basketball journey, um, how you ended up in Texas, or if you are from Texas, I don't even know that, and then uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Gotcha. So, uh, I grew up around Oklahoma City,
1: a suburb of Oklahoma City called Edmond. And uh, went to Oklahoma State University, and uh, I was just a guy. I didn't play college basketball. Um, I had did you play in high three- school. I did. I did. Uh, okay. three-year, three-year letterman. Um, senior year, I was. The Daily Oklahoman is the big newspaper in the Oklahoma City area, and I was voted Daily Oklahoman Scholar Athlete of the Year, or I was on a team of okay. uh, Scholar Athletes of the Year. Um, and uh, my chances to play college basketball were at Division threes. Which would have been fun, but they were smaller than my high school, and at 19, I was arrogant, and it just wasn't for me. So, um, I was just a guy at Oklahoma State, and uh, I started off engineering, hated it, switched to business, hated it, and uh, I switched into education because I had this—I had a math skill set. You know, I'd already been through calculus two in college, and wanted to teach math. And uh, a local coach that I went to church with uh, ran a class B which is the smallest in the state of Oklahoma, uh, boys' basketball program. Give me
0: the classifications in Oklahoma and Texas. So
1: Oklahoma, Oklahoma ran uh, class B through 6A. So B, A, 2A, 3A, 4A, 5A. because Okay,
0: so okay. what's the biggest in Oklahoma then?
1: 6A. So I went to a 6A high school, and then okay. my first coaching experience was class B, which took you to towns you'd never heard of. If, if, you, if you know, if anybody knows Oklahoma at all, if you go west of I 35, right. it's green silos, and that's how you find towns.
0: Okay. And so
1: we would go to those gyms with this little team. Uh, Glencoe, Oklahoma was the name of the town. And uh, the head coach was a friend of mine I went to church with, and he brought me on as a volunteer. And uh, we won the Class B state championship in 2006. And that's I awesome. was. I was hooked. I was like, Oh my gosh, this oh.
0: all the time,
1: please. This is all I, I ever refer really to it
0: as once you've tasted the blood, you're ne- You're yeah. never going
1: back. Yeah. Um, and we had a really special group of kids that uh, were just bought in. We ran, you know, a couple different variations of motion and we were a, a really good man to man team. And that was a testament to the, to the coach. Um, and uh, so after college uh, I knew I wanted to do it. I married a Louisiana gal and we're, so we're from Oklahoma and Louisiana, which, uh, barely pay teachers above the poverty line. <laughs> so, <laughs> the so, uh, it was always, uh, me getting into education and us getting married where we were being, where we were from, uh, it was always going to be Texas, Texas actually pays teachers pretty competitively. Um, okay. and, uh, so you can, you can, you know, buy a decent
0: house and right. You'd be middle class. You know, that's all you yes, want. Yes. And and so, have so a what so what? instead
1: of ramen noodles yeah. uh, on Tuesday
0: night. So what uh what class so okay, so this is crazy. So here's how Wisconsin does it. Wisconsin has five classes, which is we're not that big. I don't know why we have five classes, but that's a whole different podcast. Um we go one through five, one being the biggest. Gotcha. Yeah. So what does Texas do? So Texas um, Texas and
1: Oklahoma are interesting little uh, juxtapositions of each other because uh, I spent uh, six years in Texas public schools coaching 5A and 6A public school basketball. The league is known as the UIL, University Interscholastic League. That's all your public high schools. Um, and so uh, they work all,
0: all of them in Texas?
1: All of them in Texas are, are, are in the UIL. That's a lot of high schools, I bet. It's a lot of high schools. And they go A through 6A, with 6A being the biggest. When I first got to Texas, there was only 5A, and then they expanded it to 6A because the playoffs were getting ridiculous. Uh, You know, um, uh, the bracket looked like varicose veins. So So they increased the number of classifications to sort of whittle down the playoffs just a little bit. Okay. So uh, I did five A six A as a as a head coach, not as a head coach, as assistant coach and math teacher. And my first head coaching opportunity was at a private school, um, and I was just ready. I didn't want to wait my turn at five A six A public schools. I want to go a different path and do my own thing. Um, so in Texas, the private schools are not lumped in with public schools. In Oklahoma and Louisiana, they are. So your your private schools can actually. Like a two A two-way private school, which would in Oklahoma, Louisiana would be a smaller school, can really bang on some public school two A's just because they have more
0: resources. Well, they uh, do. It happens in Wisconsin too. Yeah, it, it does. And I tell the and I tell the public schools in those brackets like get better then. Yeah. So <laughs> get, get in better. Texas,
1: in Texas, there's a league called TAPS, the Texas Association. Of private and parochial schools and it has about 240 schools in it um and then they're also classified a through 6a so you have about 40 40 give or take 40 schools in each classification okay um and my school's kind of right in the middle it's the 4a level of taps. Okay. Of um and uh yeah so it's and it's interesting because it's a, it's a smaller league but uh the the heads of the league will tell you they're bigger than something like 15 state leagues. Um, right. like bigger than I th- I'm, I'm t- just to throw one out there, like Wyoming. It's right. a bigger league than Wyoming's uh, public school league. So Oh yeah, I'm sure uh, it is. Yeah. You know, it's it's still a big league and it has it has its uh its persnickety because it's got to run a league that manages schools with 20 kids in them and schools with over a 1000 kids in them and it's got to put leagues together that have uh, you know, We've got to pull like El Paso. You've, you've driven across Texas. There are there's like there, we have teams in El Paso that don't have anybody in our league within a four hour drive of them. And you and you have to build you have to build a district and playoff schedule that includes these teams from El Paso. Now,
0: they, they play they play does public and private play each other. Yes. So okay. there's no okay. rules.
1: There's no rules against public and private playing each other. In fact, I go to a couple of public. I try to go to at least one public school tournament a year. OK, um, to, just so my kids, because it demands when, when the law of averages say if you have a thousand kids and my school has 200 law of averages says you're going to have a few more athletes that can do some kids, things that my kids can't. Right. And it, it demands a little more execution on my kids, makes them uh, mind their P's and Q's a little more with how they execute. Right. Um, and then there's some really, really good private school basketball, especially in the Houston area. So um, building the schedule is fun because, uh, you know, you can kind of have your pick of the litter. The funny thing with my league is um, there's teams that left the league and formed their own sort of rogue league. And now my league says, well, you can't schedule those guys. You know, okay, that's fine. So it's it's, it's interesting, the, the little politics and the little, uh, you know, uh, private school coaches feel a certain way about public school coaches and vice versa. Well, like, well, I've been both and you're all kind of the same. Like you <laughs> are all the same.
0: You're a big country. Texas, is like a country, man. Yes. It's like, yes, yes. It's, it's, it's GDP. is crazy. Um, okay. So then, so that's where you are now. Where are you now? So, um, I'm at a private
1: school on the North side of Houston called it's, it, sorry, in Texas, if it has land on the end, it's, it's Lund. So it's Northland. But it looks like Northland. So it's Northland Christian School. Uh, It's a small private school, about 500 students, uh, about 175 in the high school. Um, And we're at the 4A level in our league in TAPS. And I've been there eight years uh, as the head basketball coach. And then these last four years, I've been the campus athletic director, along with being the head basketball coach. And if you know Texas, um, you know that I'm not supposed to exist as the athletic director and head basketball coach
0: no I uh, didn't know that well wow. that role that the
1: the athletic director role is usually set aside for the football coach, coach. that is true yeah uh, football is king around here so um if you want to know me in a nutshell I'm a I'm a basketball coach trying to make basketball matter in a football state yeah
0: so so do you have your school is hunt? do you have a football program
1: we do we have an 11-man football program have oh, 11-man um, wow okay yeah, we have 11-man our, our league has six-man um and school's a little smaller than us kind of jump rope back and forth with six and 11-man football
0: okay yeah i was wondering if it um no i i trust me it's like indiana basketball kind of thing you know it's like yes um, yeah <laughs> uh you can coach at newcastle who's like gym is bigger than a gym is bigger than most division three programs it is yeah. it's like it holds like eight nine thousand um so tell me about your coaching philosophy
1: you know it's it's uh i spent five years as an assistant at houston memorial learning princeton and when i left memorial for my first head coaching job i thought i was going to run princeton until they put me in the ground um i really enjoyed cult like Right, it is Coach Wheeler's listening, it's a little cult-like, and so because I worked for this program that ran Princeton, I got invited to the little cult meetings of the local coaches that ran Princeton, and got to pass the chalk with them, and you know that was cool that grew me as a coach, um, and even there there are coaches that package Princeton a little differently, um, and it's so that was interesting to see, um, but uh, year two of my, of of my head coaching gig at this school uh we were running Princeton and we played so we're a little 4a private school with 200 kids or less I scheduled a 6a public school with over 3,500 kids they came to my little gym and they had a kid that was going to A&M and uh
0: buzzes at at A&M isn't he
1: yeah. So this was Savion flag was on this team that, that played for uh played for A&M six, six swing man, nice player. Uh, so they come to our gym and my parents are funny because they, I, I love their reaction when teams walk in the gym, like, I don't know, coach, they're big. I don't know if you're going to just chill. Um, so we go out and we're getting our back doors and, you know, clearing out a side and running our drifts into drives and, and hitting open threes or, or using the cleared outside to score the ball. And, We've got the lead going into the fourth quarter and they turn pressure up on us and they start trapping. And, uh, I, I said this in my little, in my little up for you, uh, one of my kids, one of my favorite kids I've ever coached, he caught the ball out of a trap and didn't know what to do with it. Um, kind of held it and kind of looked at me and I was like, Oh no, I've, I've overcoached. I haven't taught him how to play breakdown enough. I haven't given him enough freedom. So that was year two by year four, I was running dribble drive and giving kids a lot of freedom. Um, and the philosophy simplified the philosophy left Princeton concepts and became, okay, all I want as a basketball coach is a kid to touch paint and make a good decision. That's all I want. Um, Cause you'll, I, win. you'll win if they can do that. How I do that is a hundred percent irrelevant and a hundred percent dependent upon the type of kids I have. So for the last four years, we've been getting paint touches out of dribble drive, out of driving the basketball in advantage situations, uh, setting ball screens when we can't get an advantage situation, um, and touching paint and dropping it off to a big or sharing to a weak size shooter. And if the weak size shooter doesn't like it, then he starts the drive action all over again. Um, that's That's been my focus these last four years.
0: Hey, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Um, I'm going to do a big shout out to our two other podcasts high school hoops and teacher side gig um i do talk about them often but i don't give them a spotlight they are great high school hoops talks weekly we talk about kind of what you're going through like we've been doing a lot of um covid right now because that's where we are and and what happened with that how we're reacting to it and teacher side gig is teachers kind of looking at themselves and how they can make a little extra money on the side and uh yeah, it's just me giving back to a little bit to, to all the teachers out there that I know have to do that. So um, also subscribe and like this podcast and go over and check out teachups.com for coaches who want to get better. All right, let's head back to the podcast.
1: Um, And so the first time I gave kids this freedom, we we scored 82 in our first game. Uh, right. Once I gave them the freedom to just go play. Um, I had some really smart kids, and I realized they were just sort of running Princeton to make me happy. Right. And just looking for chances where they could refuse a ball screen and just play two man, you know, stuff like that. And so I had this moment after year four. I was like, let's just do that. Let's just be that. You know, right. that's the personality aha moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's the personality they have. Let's lean into it.
0: And do you do, you do anything full court wise, pressure wise? Pressing wise. I'm, it's it, depending on. So that year, the first year I did it, uh,
1: I had a guard that could really steer the ball. Um, kid he's a great athlete in a small private school. Dude went to state and five sports. Um, and uh, I was like, well, we're you're you're picking up the ball as soon as we get off the bus, Colby. <laughs> and uh, so we were full court man. And uh, what that did was when you when you when you elongate your your defense in a in a very read and react sort of open flow type of offense your it makes your offense a full court offense right and when once it becomes a full court offense your gaps and your angles are bigger and so that was fun to play you know you can run dribble drive and read and react type things in a very packaged canned half court type of setting you can do it um but when you've got kids that can play with tempo and those gaps get bigger uh, and it's easier to read and, and, you know, your first read is often a, 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 sc- a scoring opportunity. Uh, it was fun. So we were full court man to man. The next couple of years, I just didn't have the athletes that, uh, you know, I had a kid that could maybe stay in front of your one, but if you gave it to your two, my kid guarding your two was just getting his doors blown off.
0: And right. so, and then they had an advantage at that point. Yeah. yeah.
1: So then I pack. Then we packaged uh, some one two, some one two one ones, and some two two ones together, um, just to hide the fact that we weren't athletic, but also still want to kind of create tempo. And then there's been times these last few years where I've been running the same offense, obviously teaching it differently for the kids that can score the ball. But we've we've sat in half court man quite a bit um, because okay. I just haven't, uh, especially this year. Um, you know, dealing with quarantines and my two best players got hurt that were 6-2 and 6'4, um, long athletic kids. Uh, we had to just sit and protect paint. Uh, and okay. we wanted just we won a district game 31 to 26 this year.
0: <laughs> how, do you, how do you, how do you, um, how do you deal with screen ball screens? How do you defensively deal with ball screens? So, with me, you know, I've always
1: wanted to be the person that guarded ball screens a hundred different ways. Um, and I I have I still need to work on that head knowledge, but I have some. But honestly, I, there's not that much difference in the athlete and the size of my one through five. There just hasn't been these last three years. So we just hard switch ball screens. Um, yeah, we just hard switch because guard. Okay, well, okay, you get a guard on big switch, and that's what you want as a coach against me, right? Well, you've gone from a six two kid to a five ten kid. The to me, your your scoring opportunity is about the same. So right, that's the standard really,
0: deviation isn't that big. Yes. And, and from someone that's coached longer than dirt itself, the number of kids that can actually so let's say a big let's say a guard or uh, big gets a guard on them. First of all, the pass has to get in there. Yes. <laughs> and Which then is second still not
1: taught much anymore.
0: Right. And then the second part is then they gotta be able to score over this little guard that's like almost like a gnat below the yes. I mean. there's too many variables that like and then if you front them if you if you get the guard to actually front the big I can probably on one hand over the last 30 years tell you the number of good lob passes I've seen into the post yes yes
1: (laughs) so yeah so we we hard switch everything and honestly like the kid that's been playing my five is a six two right kind of athletic kid so like Yes. uh, You, you could totally switch onto a guard and guard him for a dozen seconds. I kind of feel okay about that. So,
0: you know, I've tried not to, I I like it because it teaches the guards to have a little chip too. Like, like you, these big guys think they can score on you. Like you're going to let them do that. Like, and then it's like, yeah, it's like, I don't want to say it's a Napoleon complex, but they're shorter and they've always been shorter than the big guys. And they're probably Mm -hmm. jealous that the big guys are, you know, um, yeah. I love that. Uh, what's the hardest thing to teach? Hardest
1: thing to teach. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I would, I would say two things. I would say two things. Um, attack mindset.
0: Really? I don't think I've ever had anybody say that. So what do you mean? By
1: well, that? I've got, I've got, I've got private school kids and, and the, the, the programs that I get them from, uh, the programs that I get them from are very. We're gonna run offense until we get the shot that coach wants. That you know we're gonna run it for 45 seconds until we get the bunny off the glass. So um, one of the drills I do, it's it's called two man paint touch and kick. We have got guard uh, guard line up top, line in the corner. It's I'm not creative with naming my drills. Right. Drive, touch the paint throw to the corner shooter who's working on knees bent, hand target, catch, step, shoot. And uh, when it comes up in live action in a scrimmage, they won't shoot it. And I have to, why didn't you shoot that? Well, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Like, well, I, we just drilled for four minutes. Oh my God. You shooting that very shot. And I, and I, I did that enough. I went, oh, they're coming from this school where they, they like, for me, a good offensive possession can take eight seconds. With a
0: quality shot. Right. You know what? I've told guys that have done this, because I've I've had this issue, is I said, if you don't shoot that, I'm going to pull you. And they go, what do you mean? I go, we run offense to get people open. If you are open and your feet are set and you don't shoot that, you can't play. And they they look at me like I'm from Mars. And it's like, yes, I mean, and then, and then once they figure out that, like, I will do, I will pull them, they will shoot, they will shoot it. And it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, coach said, I, I said, if you're open, I mean, I mean, there's a reason there's books and DVDs and all this stuff diagramming offenses because they're trying to get people open <laughs> and you're open, shoot, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, So
1: one, one thing I hit this year that was, that was, that was a delicate and difficult thing to coach was uh, scaling kids involvement in the offense properly. And let me, let me explain what I mean let's say I, I had a kid this year that would, they could steadily shoot two for five from three. Okay. But if I asked him to shoot six, seven, eight times, his efficiency would fall off. Like, okay, well, I, I want you to shoot 10 times and make four, you know? And then uh, the kid that goes one for five. Okay. Well, you know, you get, you get two, you shoot two. And if you don't make either of those, you're done shooting. Um, and You know, that's the thing people understand about coaching is how much catering there is to the individual, like how much we have to cater what we do to the individual, to their skill set and to their, you know, their psychology.
0: Right. And this is the stats teacher me too. Like I, I, I grab, I steal from I think it was neighbors. I stole this from, but it's basically red light, green light, yellow light kind of thing. And, um, I've had some green lighters, which is the ones I would yell at if they didn't shoot it. But then I'll have yellow and, and red lighters that think they're green lighters. And it's like, okay, let's come on in. And you, you you so here's the stat sheets from the first four games. Here's your percentage. You are not a green lighter. But if you come into the gym and show me you're a green lighter, let's do it. And then I, I have cutoffs where they can come in. And I've had kids move from a yellow to a green because they've proven to me that they can do it. Um, either in prat- by practice stats or in, in a gym with someone defending them, but it's like, there's, this is not equal opportunity. Like, <laughs> well, you know, you're not LeBron, you know, there's a difference between LeBron and you, like everyone has different roles on this team. So I think, I think that's a great, and that's hard for them. Cause they don't, why yeah. they, why does he get 10 shots and I get three? Well, he's a better shooter than you are. Mm-hmm. The reason he's an AP calculus and you're not <laughs> like, That's his strong point, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I always say talented and gifted program for basketball players is what I run. I run a talented and gifted parents. <laughs> uh, uh, what do you have a coaching moment, like a, a success or a failure you could share with uh, the listeners? You know, uh, I, I listed
1: three on the little thing I sent you and I already got into one. Um, so I'll get into, I'll get into the third one. Um, I had I, it was this point guard I had and high motor kid played one speed um, and I, I put the ball in his hands because he could just make the most happen. And um, I had a, I had an angry dad call me one night because he thought this point guard was killing us. And uh, I had to reassure the dad like, well, OK, I have this kid on a path like I'm not because if I pull this kid to the side and I scream at him, I'm going to take away the best thing about him, which is his motor. And he's right. going to start to doubt himself. I'm not going to do that. I'm, one of my things as a coach is I, I say it all the time. I'm not here to stand in your way. And so I wasn't going to get in this kid's way and I wasn't going to break his spirit because he was all heart. So every day with him, it was okay. You, as a point guard with the ball in your hands, you're going to make a hundred decisions in this practice or in this next game. And whatever number you did yesterday, let's say it was 51. I want you to make 55 right decisions today and we just built i started that that language with him in december after i got him from the football team and we just built that all the way through to where he was batting 85 out of 100 in the playoffs and he had this incredible run and he had four uh like four triple doubles in district just best rebounding guard i've ever coached but the assist to turnover numbers just got ridiculous as he just stayed on this path of I'm going to make one better decision this game than I did last game. And this angry dad on the phone that wanted his kid to have the ball told me, well, you should pull him to the side and you should scream at him. I said, well, I remember to this day, I said, well, it's a good thing you're not the head coach of this program because I'm not going to do that to this kid. That's not right. the type of kid. I know this kid and I can put him on a path and he can lead this team to." And we played in the last game of the season that year with him at the helm. It's so.
0: the 1% rule. That's what I tell my boys. It's like, just, just all I ask is you get 1% better every day. Just one like that. make one better. Like I'm stealing that. that every day that ad, it's like, it's a series. It's a cumulative thing. It's like, mm-hmm. that's, you know, and some days, well, we won't get better one by 1%, but if we do, if we get better by 1% every day over an entire basketball season, we'll win a state title is what I tell them. Yeah. Um, so that's
1: uh, so, all- something I say to my So 1% every day is good, but I, w- I will offer this to you because it's something I say to my kids all the time. Growth is never linear.
0: Yeah. I never. never
1: your uh, you're, you're a math teacher. It's a nasty scatter plot of data is, is getting better. It is. Um, it is and, it's that growth
0: uh, mindset. It's like, you got to fail too. Like that's what, you know, I don't know. I'm old as dirt, but I, I never learned about that part of it. I have as an adult, but I've learned more from the failures and the successes in a lot of respect. Um, and that's what we got to teach them. Is there one thing that you've learned over the last six months in COVID? Man, it,
1: it, the things I've learned in this, in this sort of pandemic year have not been basketball related. Um, you know, quarantine and pandemic, it, it changed the world. Uh, you know, I don't know if you, I don't know how long you've been doing what you've been doing now, but I bet you it's picked up, uh, because of the pandemic. Um,
0: and, uh, it did, it did. It picked up, it picked up, not not exponentially, uh, but it picked up for sure. Wow. So these, these, you know,
1: um, when I, when I first became the athletic director, I became, I would say things to myself that you see influencers on Instagram saying, stay on that grind and, you know, put in the 16 hour days and, Quarantine when quarantine was the, it, it, it feels cruel to say this, but quarantine was the most mentally healthy I've ever been as a professional.
0: Oh, it's the I, most, I, it's, it's the most unstressed I've ever been. Yes. And I'm I, in the middle I, of a world pandemic and I'm not as stressed. Yes. No, I would,
1: I would roll out, I would roll out of bed and log in in my pajamas right. and do some work and do some purchasing because I'm the athletic director and
0: Hey everybody hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe, like, Jump up and down, review, do whatever you got to do. Um, also, go over and check out teachheaps.com for coaches who want to get better. Have a great Sports Social Podcast
1: Network.